Welcome to The Heart Zone, a podcast ministry of Kernsville Christian Church, featuring the teaching ministry of George Cannon. For more information about Kernsville Christian Church, visit us on the web at www.kernsvillechristian.org. And now, for a message from The Heart Zone, here's George. All right, guys, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to turn your Bibles to Revelation chapter 20. We're just going to look at 15 verses, Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. So we're winding down our series that we've been doing, and our series was on the coming storm, understanding the end times, understanding the times that are coming. And and the reason why we did this study is to give you a basic understanding because there is so much that's out there today, so many different views, so many wild, crazy things, things like, oh, we're living in the tribulation right now, or that Jesus Christ has already come back, or he's not coming back, and this, that, or another. And, and, and it's kind of confusing because, especially if you're not in the Word, and especially if you haven't studied the Word for yourself, you can be very vulnerable to anybody telling you anything. And so I, as a pastor, I realized, you know, because I'll be honest with you, this is the first time, you know, I've been pastoring for 30 years now. This is the first time in 30 years I ever decided to do a series like this. Why? Because I just normally assumed people understood, and I realized that, that people didn't. And so we talked about a lot of things up until the point last week where we talked about the second coming of Jesus and his establishment of his kingdom. But we still got a little bit more to learn. Because we got to talk about what happens after he comes. Okay, so we've, we've talked about the coming storm. We talked about the storm. So let's talk about after the storm. Okay, and so we're going to spend two weeks. Today... We're going to talk about the kingdom and the judgments. The kingdom and the judgments. Next week, we're going to talk about eternity. All right? And then we'll end. But we're going to focus today on the kingdom. Because remember, this is why he came. Remember, I told you, it isn't just to come and set things right. It's because of a people group. It's because of Israel and the promises that were given to them. And the promise of a kingdom that the Messiah would come and establish a kingdom, then they would once again be in prominence and all the nations of the world will come to Jerusalem to worship the Lord there. And so what we're going to look at today is a brief description of the kingdom in Revelation. It's just a brief description. And then we're going to see how that kingdom ends. And it ends not the way you think it should end, but it ends in a, a really interesting way. And then after that is the judgment, the final judgment. But, you know, George, I thought you said judgments. Yes, I did say judgments. Because when we talk about the final judgment, we're going to talk about the judgment of two different groups of people. We're going to talk about the judgment of the unsaved and what that means. But we're also going to talk about, if you're a believer, your judgment. You mean I'm going to be judged? I thought I'm saved. I don't have to worry about that. No, no, there, Paul very clearly, we're going to go to Paul, very clearly makes the point that you and I face a judgment as well. You and I have things we have to answer for. Not to go to hell, 
but for another reason, and we're going to talk about that all today. So let's look with together. If you're using a pew Bible, and if you are using your own Bible, but if not, you can look up on the screen. Let's look at verses 1 to 15 of chapter 20. Here's what John wrote. I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, the ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years, threw him into a pit, shut it, sealed it over him, so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until a thousand years are ended. And after that, he must be released for a little while. Then I saw thrones, and seated on them were those whom authority, whom the authority to judge was committed. I also saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus, for the word of God, and those who had, and those who had not worshipped the beast and its image, and had not received a mark on their foreheads and on their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until a thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power. But they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. When a thousand years had ended, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out and deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their numbers is like the sand of the sea. They march up over a broad plain of the earth and surround the camp of the saints and the beloved city. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat was seated on it. And from his presence the earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Wow. Pretty interesting chapter here in Revelation. To be very honest with you, it starts off really interesting, but it ends in a very tragic way. Let's talk about it. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to divide our message into two parts. We're going to talk about the time of the king according to what John writes in Revelation. 
And then we're going to talk about the final judgment. So let's talk about the time of the king. First thing I want you to notice is that the beginning of the kingdom, remember when Jesus comes back, he defeats the armies of the world, he casts immediately uh, the, uh, the beast, that is the Antichrist and the false prophet, into the lake of fire, and thus begins a thousand years of peace. The Old Testament prophets talk about this extensively. It's going to be a time where the lion will lay down with the lamb, a child will put its hand into a snake hole, a venomous snake hole, and be okay. Why will that all take place? Well, at the beginning of the tribulation, what we won't what most people won't understand is spiritually, because it's a spirit being, an angel, there is one angel who will be bound. Who is that? Satan. For a thousand years. So that's my first point. The enemy of humanity, Satan, is bound for a thousand years. Now John makes the point here to help you understand that he's not just the enemy of believers. He's the enemy of all humanity. Do you understand? He is the accuser, the tempter, the murderer. He is the one who is wrecking havoc in our world. Why? Through his lies. Through his lies. He deceives people. He causes people to come against each other. And so if you're going to have a reign for a thousand years where King Jesus is in control... It only makes sense that the great deceiver himself, that serpent, that dragon, Satan, the devil, would be what? Bound and cast into an eternal prison for a thousand years. And that's what happens here. So the first thing I want you to see is the enemy of humanity, Satan, is bound for a thousand years. Here's the second thing. Now, this is probably you weren't realizing this because maybe sometimes we're influenced by what we see on TV or read in books and so forth. But here, here's what life's going to be like for you and I. Here it is. The saints will be given authority to rule with Jesus in the kingdom. You're just not going to be strumming on a harp, okay? You're going to have a responsibility. And because we are his and we belong to him and we are new now, remember we've been given a new body, You'll be given authority to rule with him over the earth. Now, what does that mean? I don't know exactly what that means. What does that look like? I don't know. The text doesn't tell us that. It simply tells us that you and I will have responsibility. Do you understand? We have responsibility. We continue to have responsibility. So it's not vacation time later. You and I will have responsibility and authority as we rule with him. That's the second point you need to understand about the kingdom. But here is the third point that is very interesting, because after that thousand years, all right, so talk about a thousand years of peace, a thousand years of perfect, where King Jesus, Jesus himself is in authority, and everybody knows he is in authority. After a thousand years... Satan is released. Here's the point I want you to see. After a thousand years, Satan is released to once again deceive the nations. Because that's what he does. And are we, humanity, susceptible to that? Well, you better believe it. And, and, and I almost think there's a reason for a thousand-year reign because then what happens is, is here's the final point I want you to see, and I'm going to talk about this for a little bit, 
is humanity will rise up against Jesus and be consumed instantly with fire. All right, so I want you to think for me for a moment. I've often thought of this as I read this. This is like the final test of humanity. When you, when you think about the course of history, it, it's like humanity is being tested all the way from the beginning. What do you mean? So you have Adam and Eve in the beginning who are perfect, who, who have never sinned. And guess what? They listen, listen to a lie and they sin, which then dooms all humanity to, to, to sin, right? But then what happens then is God works through humanity. He, he interacts with them from the beginning to the point where they reject him. Of course, we have the flood. Saves one family. And, but yet, from that, many nations come out. They still reject him. So what does he do? He calls one people, Israel, makes many promises to them which are still yet to be fulfilled. But what do they do? All along, from the beginning, from the moment they left Egypt, well, even when they were in Egypt, they're rejecting him, even to this day. Humanity has this bent towards doing its own thing. And so then you come to what I would say is the final test, folks. Well, there was one other test. When the Messiah comes, they reject him. And even now, people reject. But we don't see Jesus, do we? But here's the thing. This is why I say it's the final test. So here we have a thousand years where the earth is being ruled by who? Jesus. And you can see him. He's here bodily. And so it's, it's, it's perfect. It's perfect peace. And then when that thousand years is over and the enemy is released to save people again, guess what? I don't understand it. I just think it's a bent where humanity is. Humanity, again, even though they see Jesus, rejects him. And people gather from the four corners of the earth a multitude that cannot even be numbered like the sands on the sea, coming against the holy city and the saints therein. And you're like, how did we get there? How's that, how's that possible? I'm telling you folks what's possible. Even having Jesus right in your midst, if your heart doesn't believe, it doesn't believe. Do you understand what I'm saying? And if you are rebelling against him, that rebellion comes out. And all it takes is just one fallen angel who is the deceiver to come out and deceive humanity into thinking, this is it, we're going to do it. And fire comes down and immediately... I mean, it's not even a war. I mean, he doesn't, it's not even him coming out. It's like immediately they're gathered, boom, it's over. And I'll tell you why I think it's the final test. Because immediately time ends. 
time ends. Because immediately what follows is the great white throne judgment where all of humanity will then be judged. It's the final test. The final test is here he is in all of his glory. He's established his kingdom. He's ruling it. He has perfect everything and mankind still rejects. That's the kingdom, folks. I want you to think about it because a lot of times we, we're ready for Jesus to come, come back and set things right. Here, I'm going to tell you something. In this instance, he does set things right for the entire world and the entire world still rejects him. Can we wrap our brain around that? Here's how you wrap your brain around it. You realize it's a heart issue. It's not a proof issue. It's not that they didn't have enough information. They did have enough information. They had Jesus in front with them. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Now do you understand Judas? How does Judas do what he does? How does Judas spend three years with the master, seeing him do everything, raising the dead, healing, casting out demons, and all of that, and decides uh, 30 pieces of silver sound good to me? How, how does he do that? Because his heart wasn't right. It's the final test. The kingdom. The time of the king. So then that brings us to just five verses at the end of chapter 20, the final judgment. And here's what I want you to see about it. All humanity will face the final judgment before Jesus. Bottom line, all humanity, everybody is going to face the final judgment. I don't care if they say they believe or not. The fact is you're going to face the final judgment. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's what the scripture says. Every knee will bow. I don't care if they say to you, well, I don't believe him. But if you don't believe him, that doesn't mean anything. You're still going to appear before him. And he's going to be the great king and judge. And listen to what it describes here. It is, it is amazing to me because here's what it says. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was, set, who seat, who was seated on it. And from his presence, the earth and sky fled away. It's not going to be Jesus, I love you, Jesus, Jesus, the cool Jesus, Jesus, the friendly Jesus. It's Jesus, the whole earth and the sky want to flee from. Paul describes it as the day of terror. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you see Jesus, oh, let me help you to understand, okay? Now, okay, would you say the apostle John had a pretty good relationship with Jesus in the gospel? So much so that the apostle John, okay, would not even refer to himself when he's writing his own gospel. He has to say the disciple whom Jesus loved. He was just so overwhelmed that Jesus loved him. Okay, you see that. In, now, when you come to Revelation, okay, go over to Revelation chapter 1. John, the same John, the, whom, the disciple whom Jesus loved, the one who had such an intimate relationship, the one who was leaning on Jesus' breast at the Last Supper, okay, 
the one who's got a close relationship with Jesus, when you come to chapter 1, here's what I want you to see. Verse 12, I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and turning, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a long rope, with a long robe with a gold sash around his chest. And the hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like flame, the flame of fire. His feet like burnished bronze, refined in the furnace. His voice like the roar of many waters. And in his right hand he held seven stars. And from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in full strength. And here's what he says in verse 17. Here's what I want you to understand. Okay? And when I saw him, I mean, he's seeing Jesus. Remember, Jesus, the one who, could, who was so overwhelmed because of the love of Jesus, the, the one he couldn't even refer to himself, the disciple whom Jesus loved, the Jesus who leaned on his breast, the Jesus who was intimate with him. Here's what he says. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Boom! He hits the ground. But this Jesus in chapter 1 isn't the Jesus who's judging. When you come to chapter 20, the Jesus who's judging, no one wants to stand in front of him. It's the day of terror. So all humanity will face the final judgment before Jesus. I want you to understand that. And here's what I want you to see with this. The reality is this. Those whose names are not found in the book of life will be cast into the lake of fire. Folks, it isn't about what you're doing that brings you salvation. I hear people all the time I, uh, how do you know you're going to be with the Lord? I try to keep the Ten Commandments. They can't name any of them, but they are trying. And I try to keep the golden rule. What's the golden rule? You know, I'm saying do unto others as you would have others do unto you. Now, the reality is, is we, I mean, if you are mature and wise, you know that's not true for anybody. Period. There's no way any of us could keep that, Right? And, and to make the point, all of the books will be opened. You're, you know, your life is recorded. You may forget the dumb things you said last week, but Jesus said every idle word will be brought into account. All the dumb things I've said are going to be brought up again in front of Jesus. That's scary, isn't it? I, mean, I want you to think about this. So all humanity will have everything laid out before him. But here's the point. That's not what's sending them to hell. Did you understand me? It's not the record of their life and their failures and their rejection that's sending them to hell. It's because their names are not written in the book of life. How do you get in the book of life? You put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You get saved by faith. He pays it for you and you accept it. 
and those whose names were not found in the book of life were cast into the lake of fire. It's interesting. Book of life is not something new to the scripture. This isn't the only chapter that talks about it. It's mentioned throughout the Old Testament, and the writers talk about not making sure that their name is in the book of life. This is the point. You're going to be there in the kingdom and you're going to be saved because your name will be in that list. Do you understand what I'm saying? Your name, if you put your faith and trust in him alone, not in your stuff that you do or don't do, you'll be in that list. But those whose names are not found in the book of life, they'll be cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death for eternity. You said there's judgments, George. What other judgments are there? There's the final judgment, of course, yes. But I think this is part of the, of it is you and I stand before him. What do you mean you and I? Believers stand before him. We will be judged. Well, I, I, we'll be okay because I, I mean, our names are in the book of life, George. We'll be okay. Yeah, but I think there's something you need to realize because sometimes that's where we end it. We end it with that. We end it with... My name's in a book of life. I'm okay. I can do whatever I want to do. Well, are you, wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Are you sure? Are you sure? Because we have to give an account. Do you realize that? Do you realize you and I have to give an account for our life? Period. Because he has the record of it all. What are you talking about, George? Well, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to look at 10 verses. It'll be up on the screen for you, okay? Here's what Paul writes. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which has been laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day, what day is that? Judgment day. The day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If anyone has built on the found, if, if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. But if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. And notice this, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Now here's the one thing that we forget about. I know that I'm forgiven. I know that when I can go before him, and I say to him, Lord Jesus, I did this today. You saw me do this. Please forgive me. I know that I am forgiven of my sin. But I'm going to tell you right now, that does not mean I won't give an account for it. And in the end, we have to give an account for our lives, what we did with our lives. Bottom line, you and I, even though we're saved, we have to give an account. Now, here's the two things I want you to see here. Believers will also face judgment concerning how they live their lives. You have to give an account for how you're living your life. 
That's the bottom line. You have to give an account. You and I have to give an account for everything we say, everything we do, whether it's right or wrong. He, in fact, he describes what we do in, in several ways. He, it's like he's saying we're building on the foundation of Christ. What do you mean? We're like building a house. And here's the material you're using. You're using gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. And in the judgment, whatever you built is going to be burnt. And what happens with gold, silver, precious stones when they go through the fire? Are they burned up? No, they're refined. They actually become pure, right? But when you talk about building with, with what? Wood, hay, straw? Sounds like what I throw in the campfire, right? What happens with it? It burns up. You and I have to give an account. And, 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 and so the things that we do, well, all the stuff I did for Jesus, look, folks, don't rest in just the things you did for Jesus. It's about the stuff you live in your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? And why you did what you did will be judged. Because it's really easy to deceive you with your motives, right? You know what I'm saying? I could do something great, and you could think, oh, man, Jack George is a great guy. Yeah, but I was doing it for selfish reasons. You just didn't see it. Well, the problem is Jesus sees it, and he holds account. So it brings me to the final thing I want you to see here. While some will have rewards, others will have nothing except their salvation. Did you get that? We're going to live for eternity, and we're going to talk about eternity next week. We're going to live for eternity, but there is going to be something about being rewarded. But there are also going to be people there who don't have anything because they didn't do right here. I mean, yeah, they trusted Jesus. But their motives were all wrong. They were, they were screwed up. They were self-centered. We say, oh, what do I need to do, George? Volunteer for Sunday school more? No, no. Like that's, that may be wood, hay, stubble there. Can I be honest with you? Because your motives for doing that are wrong. And you have to give an account. You have to give an account for your sins. Folks, listen, there is forgiveness of Jesus. That does not remove the consequences of the stuff you're doing wrong. Bottom line, you need to understand that. You have to give an account. And those consequences, some of them, we face them now, but ultimately we face them, right? Except when we appear before Jesus, whom the rest of the world is scared of, but yes, he's our our Lord, our, our love, but I still got to talk to him about it. You know, I, I think, I thought, man, how can I, how can I relate to that? I was thinking about, man, the times, you know, I remember getting in trouble as a teenager and my mom would uh, say the, 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 the classic phrase, wait till your dad gets home. You ever heard that kind of statement? I have. More times than I should have. And, and, and I'll be honest with you, my, my dad did get home, 
That was a scary thing. Because I had to answer for what I did. Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? It's going to be a scary thing, even though, but here's the thing, I didn't get kicked out of the family. Still was a canon, still am. You're not going to get kicked out of the family, but you got to answer. This is what I think is missing from many Christians' lives today, is a healthy fear of God for their own lives. Because we're just as human as those who get cast into the lake of fire, right? The only difference is, is we put our faith and trust in Jesus. And we still have to give an account as well. But hopefully, hopefully, and this is why we have times like this to talk about it. This is why I think he put it in the scripture, is to remind us, who are you living for? So let me wrap this up, okay? Let me wrap it up. Two thoughts I want to give you. Here's the first one. It's about humanity in general. I'm, I'm going to help you to understand this. No matter how, sometimes we think, if I could just change the message, I'll have more people understand. I'm going to tell you right now, folks, you're dealing with people who don't want to believe. You need to listen to me. And so you pray for them. How? That God would open their eyes to hear. But the fact is, most do not want to believe. How can you say that, George? Because even when King Jesus is here, they don't want to believe. Do you understand? So that's the first point. The second point is this. But you do believe. So how are you living your life? How are you living your life? Because one day, one day, you've got to answer for it. And for some, they'll go through the judgment and the only thing they'll have is their salvation. But for others who really live their lives for the Lord, they'll have what? Reward. Who do you want to be? And the fact is, well, you say, it's too late for me. No, no, it's not too late. It's only too late when you die, okay? You can change. So live your life for him. That's reality. Let me pray for you.